As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Life Mastery with Todd Allen, the talk radio show that dives into the science of higher consciousness. Join Todd and his guests weekly at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and learn how to live a peaceful life with intentional mastery. Enjoy a survey of inspiring topics such as abundance, intention, health, manifestation, love, and transformation. It's all right here. Leading authors, speakers, coaches, entrepreneurs with stories and messages to support your well-being, let alone your most evocative of dreams. Hey, hey, it's another groovy day, and that's because I like to make it that way, and it's Life Mastery Radio Day. Welcome to the show. We're glad you tuned in. Whether you're listening to the live show or the podcast, we appreciate it, and we really like Debbie's to bring here. you... There's Debbie. Hi, Debbie. We're just getting started hey. with the show. <laughs> Good morning. I'll let you continue talking. Well, let's just get centered here for a minute. Let's kind of stretch way up high, wiggle those wrists and shake those fingers. Maybe roll the shoulders a little bit and let's take in a deep breath. Let that breath out with a big ah, and just let your essence roll from your solar plexus up through your heart center and out. Ah, let's do that one more time. Ah, and I want you to really get focused and conscious and think about this buzzword that we're going to be talking today, and that's busy. Ah, I'm not busy. I'm not busy. Uh, I'm going to tune into the show and just listen. I'm not busy. Uh, there we go. So hopefully now you're not busy. And I hear my co-host in the background. Good day. Coach Debbie is a writing instructor, award-winning editor, and a writing coach. Did Good morning. You got it. You got it. You got it. Yeah, boy, I I didn't even know I had three lines on my phone. I always thought call waiting only let one call in at a time and 
all of a sudden everyone's decided to call me. So look, <laughs> here we're, we're trying to talk about breaking up with busy and it's like calling Debbie, calling Debbie. So we have a great, great show, uh, lined up for today, but I just want to tell you something before we, we get going. And that is that 10 years ago, is it 10 years? Yes. Ten years ago and two days ago, I broke up with Busy. Nice. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> and, and how did you yeah. do that, Debbie? <laughs> well, and here's our guest, Yvonne Talley. Oh, how did I do it? I will. I will just tell you. I had had it. I had absolutely had it. And what I mean is, I had lost touch with. Myself, I had lost touch with the people that were most important to me, and, and I had lost touch with the value of my job. And so what you saw was me running, running, running towards all those things, but I wasn't in tune with any of them. And I had to realize that I had to do things very, very differently. And I just crumbled into tears and found myself with a group of people that were having similar problems and we identified it as workaholism and said we're going to stop this and we used a lot of 12 set principles and the rest is history and open for conversation today but I just wanted to tell you Yvonne when I saw your title break up with busy real life solutions for overscheduled women I went oh I know that woman. <laughs> so, so, so since you opened the door, Debbie, I have, this is the question that I've been pondering about our topic today. So I'm okay. gonna, we're, we're going to put you in the spotlight just for a minute here. All right. So with all um, that, with all that busyness that mm-hmm. you experienced, I'm really curious of how much that busyness was created as a distraction. I'd say about 97.9%. Yeah. Yeah. Almost all of it. Right. Mm-hmm. That's something. Yeah. Cause it yeah. was, I was directed by fear. I'm sorry. I stepped on you there. Oh. It, it was the fear that was helping me stay busy, busy, busy and distracted and distracted and taking on more instead of sitting down, getting quiet and going, Girl, you've got choices here. If you would connect to your heart, you could make some really good decisions. But I was too busy for that. <laughs> right, right. Well, let's let's just jump right ahead and bring our guest in. Our guest today is Yvonne Talley, and she leads meditation and mindfulness programs for corporations, private groups, and individuals in Silicon Valley throughout and throughout the United States. She is an NLP master practitioner and co-founded Poised Inc., a fitness and lifestyle company, and she lives in Northern California. She is also the author of the book that we are, that has brought her to us or brought her to our attention. And the name of the book is Breaking Up with Busy, Real Life Solutions for Overscheduled Women. I think she calls that OSW for short. Yvonne, welcome to the show. Now we want to qualify well, something right out of the gate here. First of all, is is that I know that your book kind of is directed toward women, but you know what? Both sexes 
have this OSW thing, correct? Oh, no, I guess well, it'd be OSM. <laughs> <laughs> well, good morning, and thank you for having me, uh, Debbie and Todd. It's certainly a pleasure to be with you this morning and to address your question or your uh, input that you just uh, uh, were speaking about as far as men and women. Uh, and I can talk extensively about busy because it's, you know, obviously the, the core of, of what I've written about. Uh, there's some really interesting things that have brought this to be part of our culture. And, yes, men are affected as well. There, but there are some significant differences as to why uh, women are uh, more busy than men, I would have to say. But at the root of this, at the core of this, uh, busy behavior is, I always say it's, it's the promise that if we stay busy, we can, we will be part of this elite pack of doers and change makers. Oh, and that's what, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what really gets us over, you know, re- it's, a, it's a seduction. Busy is very seductive. And with that yeah. promise that if I'm busy, then that means I'm important because I'm like the other pr- people that I, that I are in my reference group that I share my life with. And that's how this ball gets this ball got rolling. But there's some significant things that play into that. Economics is a big one. So when we look at the fact that two thirds of the women working outside of the home have school aged children, that's a real big part of being busy. You know, we have child care and those other things we have to consider, and we still take 80% of the uh, what's called non-pay. Um, responsibilities. That's the domestic life. So we've got, that's another piece of it. And we all know the statistic. Thankfully, it's very much in the, in the public and in the news nowadays. And that is women still make an average of 80 cents on the dollar compared to, compared to men. And if you're a person, a woman of color, you can drop that down to 63%. So you can see just right there on that first line of what has created this, the economics have a tremendous amount to do with it. Um, well, let's, technology let's drill, also. Yeah, let's drill down into that just a little bit because I that was one of the statements in your book that jumped out at me, and that is the seduction that you talked about, and and I guess what you just stated is is that busyness doesn't doesn't really get us into the club yet we're seduced into thinking that it will. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of a it's there's two edges here. I mean, being in the club means that we're what we're doing things like the other people that we admire, that we want to be a part of, that we want to. You know, we all men or women doesn't matter. At the end of the day, and at the center of who we are, we all want to be loved and appreciated, and we mm-hmm. are social creatures. So we want to be a part of that pack. We want to, you know, when when you're busy and we're in the same group and we're, you know, associating with whether, with each other, whether our kids are in school or we're working together, whatever it might be, we are going to start to do the same types of things, not exactly the same types of things, but that behavior starts to get, gets, that ball gets, ball gets rolling. And for women, there's very much attached to this is, you know, when we go back and we talk about we wanted it all, and now we've got it. Now what do we do with it? We forgot the fact that that all meant that we were going to have a family. Even if we don't have children, we still women still take care of aging parents more than men. It's just that it's a part of our culture. And uh, so we've got family. We've got career now, you know, outside of the home. And, oh, that's right. We were supposed to make some self-care time because we were having it all. And that's the piece that got shaved off or put in the optional column. 
Right. Oh yeah. Totally shaved off. I I can yeah. think of how I, I'm really glad, Todd, too, that you asked me that question because I can b- remember being 34 years old. I got my job as an associate professor, and all of a sudden, that that feeling I had always had of being a little lonely, a little outcast, a little off to the side, uh, was gone because I was in a group. I was in this group of professors, and we were writing and collaborating, and our minds were going to somehow, you know, change the world. We forgot that there were more than just us 18 people in the world, and and we were going to change the world, and and all of a sudden, I was saying no to the things that mattered to me, and saying yes to the things that were going to change the world, and it was... It was very myth-ish, but you can't tell someone that when they're driven. You just can't. You know, it's like I had to go through the whole thing. I had to see the people that mattered to me fading more into the background and thinking, why are they doing that? But it was me. It was me. And, and wow, I really had to come to my knees to, to, see that and yet you're pointing out something really important here we usually have things that are trying to keep us going like our finances like like making a statement in our writing in the world like being involved in groups that are doing things that we think matter and the next thing you know we are so busy that that we're in tears that that we can't even understand why the things that are most important to us are in the background. We're at a loss. So I am so glad you took the time to write this down, I just want to say. (laughs) Well, well, the other piece that you you just spoke about, you know, we keep going, and because we're doing things that 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 matter to us. And one of the things that has happened now, especially if you're doing, as you were doing, I'm assuming you were doing research and, and a lot of, you know, uh, global changes and things that were going to, as you said, impact the world. And I think what happens with these two other pieces that have created this busy culture, technology is, you know, really a part, it's a part of everybody's life now. And it's brought some really fantastic things. Talk about the, the medical field, you know, the vast, changes and improvements that we're making through technology in that area. And certainly we've seen it even recently how we can uh, bring thoughts together and we can transport those thoughts worldwide. We can bring a movement together and transport that movement worldwide very quickly. So what's happened is this technology, and I live right in the middle of all of it, Apple's down the street, Facebook, I mean, it's everywhere. And what has happened is it's like a kid with a new toy but hasn't been taught how to use it correctly yet. Or I should right. say getting into a car and say drive it and, and not, not knowing how to turn it on, then turning it on and not knowing how to stop it. And that's really where we're at right now. So this idea is that technology is supposed to make things more convenient and easy for us, but we haven't quite got our head and our lives wrapped around making it a balance in our life, making it something that helps us do what we need to do rather than feeling as though we can do more because it's there. And that's part of the piece that gets set up. Well, Yvonne, you know, you have a very interesting story about what we're talking about right now, and that is 
taking on all this busyness and getting busy and busy and busy. And eventually we pop out of gear. So share with us your experience. That's a great way to put it too, pop out of gear, because that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And, you know, I always say we, there are these exclamation points in our lives. And this was certainly an exclamation point in my life. Um, I was so busy teaching uh, others how to live a vibrant and healthy lifestyle, growing a business, raising a daughter, um, that I missed my own signs of busyness and overscheduled and my fast pace, you know, the sleepless nights, the cramped schedules, all of that. I'm sure a lot of, uh, a lot of people can relate to that. And I ended up in a hospital in the emergency room thinking I was having a heart attack when, mm. in fact, it was a panic-slash-anxiety attack, which might sound, you know, not such a big deal, but anyone who's had one of these, and this was a big one, it came on suddenly, I'd never had one before, and I literally thought I was dying, and it scared me yeah. enough that I mm-hmm. that I set upon this journey, and I reconnected with something my mother had introduced to me years earlier, and that was neurolinguistic programming, and decided to go ahead and go with that, go forward with that, and got my um, master practitioner certification, and that made a huge difference because then I was able to bring that. P- and by the way, a lot of mindfulness training, and brought I reconnected with my spirituality, um, in on a very deep level, and that's that third piece that I talk about, and that made the biggest difference for me was being able, because it allowed me to have balance. It allowed me to connect with beyond myself as a human being, but as a a connected, if you will, spirit. Um, And that made a huge difference for me. And what was interesting is I'd had these solutions that I'd been teaching my clients for so many years. So all I had to do was, you know, (laughs) organize them and put them in a way. And then I added in the mindfulness aspect. So the practical and the mindful are two, that's really what the, the book presents. But in life, I believe those are the two strengths that we can continually pull from to help us maintain that balance. No, I, you, I thought it was so comical. I don't know if it was comical, but as I was reading your story in your book, it brought back memories because I had a panic attack. And for you, I think you described it. You were just looking in the mirror, putting on your makeup, and this happened. And for me, I was standing in line at a convenience store. It wasn't like I was doing anything stressful. And then all of a sudden, I was just completely overwhelmed, and I thought I was dying. Mm-hmm. When was that? It's... Oh, it was many years ago. Many, many years. Oh, okay. Well, I you wanted know, to tell Yvonne that I wanted to tell you, Yvonne, if you had looked into the hospital bed next to you, you would have seen me. I was, <laughs> oh. I was right there. I was in the one next to you. I was like, are we dying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Go ahead, John. And, what were you going to say? And, Todd, you bring up a really good point. You know, men don't report their panic slash anxiety attacks uh, as frequently as women. So this is not just a woman's issue, It's and it's not gender-based. It happens, and it is a terrifying experience. And I, I really have to credit the millennials with bringing it out of the closet because this is a huge thing that they talk about, the anxiety and the, the feeling of panic and the feeling of, you know, that, that horrible, stressful feeling that we get when that happens. And it comes, like you said, Todd, it comes out of nowhere. So they talk about this a lot. And I really feel that they have brought it to, they've, you know, released kind of the shame from it that so many of us have felt before. I didn't want to tell anybody. I was embarrassed. I thought, here I am, an organic, eating, mindful, positive thinking health nut. 
and I'm having a panic attack. And I thought if if this happened to me, it's happened to a lot of other people. Like you said, Debbie, you would have been the person in the bed next to me. So it's it's definitely in our culture. Or in people, I guess I should say. it scares us because we, like you said, we're, we're doing things that are teaching the opposite. I, I was teaching, um, I was teaching writing and I was doing a class on procrastination. So here I am in my busy, busy, busyness. Um, and I think that I'm doing the opposite of procrastinating <laughs> when actually I'm putting off my own health and well-being. So, mm-hmm. It, you know, sometimes it takes those crashing down conversations. Uh, I remember I was married at the time and I had a, a crashing conversation with, with my husband. And I was saying, I, I really want us to find more time together. And I'm the busy one. It's not like he wasn't available. It was me. And, and we were talking about children. You know, we were having a very loving talk and I, I said I I don't think I don't think it would be the right time to bring children in. I don't think we have the the lifestyle for children. And he said, um, how come you have so much time for all these things but you don't have time for me or for children? And wow. Wow. There it I, is. I thought, wow there yeah. Because yeah. my story was exactly the opposite. My story was I have all the time in the world for you and everything else. I'm just doing these things because they seem important. You know, like Todd said, a distraction. They seem important. I'll do this for now. Well, and, that's a curious and, question that I have for Yvonne. Yvonne, I, you know, I posed that question to Debbie. And so in, in, in your experience, how much of our busyness is a distraction. Well, you know that it's really that's a great question. As far as you know, how much of it is a is a, it's all a distraction. When when right. yeah. when busy pushes its way into, and I'll just go back to what Debbie was talking about relationships. When busy pushes its way into our significant relationships, it leaves little room for intimacy, emotional emotional intimacy, because that occurs. Right. When we allow ourselves to be present, to be vulnerable, and aware of our needs, okay, that's a big one right there, and the needs of our partners. So when we're distracted by our pursuits, shifting our priorities so that our significant other falls in line behind those pursuits, we we become disconnected from our partners. And it's unlikely at that point that we will be raised up or invigorated by our relationships if we're feeling tired and stressed and unsupported and it's doubtful that our partners will feel inspired or supported if they don't feel priority. So that's, that's the crux of what happens. Now, how much is busyness a distraction? Well, I'll go back to that first piece that we talked about. Busyness makes us feel important. So if we're, if we're, vi- if we're focused on what we are feeling, right, which is important. We need to we, we need to focus on what we feel rather than what we're you know what we're doing. There needs to be a balance between the two. If, but if we're overly focused on if our emotions are tied to the outcome of what our busyness is about, it's we're, we're not going to be able to disconnect with it because we've got an overinvestment in the outcome. That's not to say we shouldn't do things or 
I, I would prefer to say that's not to say that we can't do mindful practices that put us in a place to be focused on our desired outcome. But dis- busy is not a desired outcome for most people. Productivity mm-hmm. is, and there's a difference between the two. But it's this allure that we are going to be part of a group that we're going to be, for some of us, we're going to be more well-liked, we'll, we'll, we'll look better in, in the, you know, through the filter, so to speak, and we are going to be a part of those change makers, as we talked about earlier, and the, and the doers. So it's yeah. the seduction of it. it. How much of it is a distraction? Does it really matter? Because it's, where does it bring you? How does it impact your life? You know, if you're standing with your face in your phone, and going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and your significant other or your <laughs> child is standing there, what do, we, what do we tell, what's the message we're giving to them? So it's all, it's yeah. all a distraction. Well, and, He's, you know, I've really been giving this, this so well. <clears throat> right. I've really been giving this some thought, and I've been watching, you know, as, as we've been getting ready for the show this past week, it's a great topic. But I've come to the conclusion that I think the word busy is probably one of the most overused words in our vocabulary today because it almost identifies us with a social stature, right? So if you walk up to somebody and you say, hey, how's it going? Oh, man, I'm really busy. And you hear that over and over and over again. Like that's some kind of identifier to our status. You know, I honestly sometimes think stress... Stress is the word they mean. I I think people are almost saying, oh, I'm really busy, when in fact, if they got honest, they'd say, oh, I have taken on way too much and I'm stressed <laughs> and I don't know what the heck I'm doing now. Because busy can be sort of, it can be a drug, Todd. I, I mean, we, we know from 12-step experience when you finally see the light and you turn your life around and you decide, I'm not going to let busy run my life, it's just like the person who has decided they're not going to let alcohol run their life. But you can't walk up to the person who now still has their drink in the hand or still has busy in their hand and say, you know, if you put that down right now, you would have a better life. They're going to say, what are you talking about? you got to be kidding me. I'd much yeah. rather drink this vodka martini than have a conversation with you about, you know, the better life on the other side. So while a person is in busy, they're almost unreachable. Wouldn't you say, Yvonne? Well, I think that, you know, we as human beings want to move away from discomfort and move towards pleasure. That's just that's yeah. part of our survival <laughs> makeup. Wow. So right. to... So this idea of being busy, just, I mean, we can do it in, in an extreme way as an example. Think about the person that has never really fit in before and feels kind of out of place. They want to find some somebody that, that thinks and feels and looks, not looks physically, but you know what I'm saying as far as, as, far as yeah. their life looks similar to theirs. And they're going to connect with that, right? We all do, no matter, it, it, we, we see it all the time uh, on the news, in our own lives, in a social setting. It's so easy to it's, measure the craftsmanship. It's this idea, this, as you talked about, uh, a better life. Um, the idea of, of busy is it's replaced. You know, I talk about that in the book. I'm fine. When we would, as Todd said earlier, you meet, you greet somebody and they say, "Hey, how's it going?" And I'm so busy because busy right away. The status of busy says 
I've got things to do, and I'm important, and everybody gets it. So it's overused because most of us, if not all of us, want to feel that way. So that's why we hear it so much now, and we are busy. We are busy because, as Todd said earlier, we're distracted because we have more distractions. We've got all that technology that says to us and promises us that we can get more done now. And what we've forgotten is, do we need to get more done? Do we want to get more done? What about the quality of our day? And we, we're in the juice. You talked about the juice. We start to get, we start uh, being busy. Starts to feel normal to us. We get up, we've got our schedule, we check our phone. We check our phone before we say good morning to our partner. And, you know, we oh, just, God. We've, got our, we've got our, you know, as you said, distracted. <laughs> so we just have to find and we have to adopt and find balance to what we're doing, not that we have to give up anything. And it's fun to be productive, and it's nice to have a full day time to time, but to have a lifestyle like that, we start to see, you know, lowered immune uh, immune systems, uh, as you said, increased stress, and then we've got the results of that increased cortisol, and then you know, high blood pressure. There's a lot of things that happen because of this pace. So it's mm-hmm. about pulling back from that pace so that you can uh, be in charge and in control of your schedule more, and also just to slow down enough and ask yourself, what do I really want? What is yeah. it I need to be be thinking? Not just doing, thinking and doing to have what I really want, or to and and some people will say, "I want the big house, I want the big car, and when I ask them, "Well, what will that car how will you feel when you have that big house or that big car?" and we start to peel back those layers because typically at the core of it, I want to feel safe, I want to feel loved, I want to feel a sense of joy and happiness, and that's those mm-hmm. are the those are the qualities that we can bring into our lives that oh, these are excellent. A happy life. We we have some texters who are writing in who are really being affected by all this juicy, juicy content you've got here, Yvonne. And uh, uh, when we come back from our break, I would really like to dive into this this conversation here about, but if I stop being busy, this is just a really great question that's been raised. Go ahead and if ask I it. Stop, Go ahead and ask it, Deb. Yeah, the question is, if I stop being busy, who am I really? So I, I just think this is a brilliant question that, that we can, we go into this busyness to think we're going to find our real self. And the fear is that if we stop being busy, we're just not sure who we are. So I, I think we need to come back and bring up some story and some some context about this um, after our break. Are we ready for a break, Todd? Uh, I think so. I'm not. The engineer hasn't said time for a break, but let's try it. We're going to take a little break, so stay tuned. We've got more with Yvonne Talley right after this. You've listened to the shows on CTR, and perhaps you've found yourself thinking, maybe I should host my own show, but I don't know how. It's easier than you think. 
from the beginning with private coaching sessions to your own live broadcasts. CTR Network will prepare you on every level to share your knowledge, expand your brand, and take your business to the next level. At CTR, we nurture your vision and make it a radio reality. Contact Cameron Steele at 425-221-3646 or Cameron at CTRnetwork.com and put your dream into motion today. Welcome back to Life Mastery Radio. If you just tuned in, our guest today is Yvonne Talley, and she has written a wonderful book. It's a great read. It's a short, well, I don't want to say it's a short read, but it's an easy read. And the stories and the, the practices that she has in there will be for you, will make it easy for you to grasp her ideas and concepts and, and, and find some relief if you truly do the work. You know, I always like to surf around and find what other people think about other people's books. It's just, you know, it's endorsements, it's comments, and this is what I found, and this is really good. The fact that you think you don't have time to read this book is the reason you need to read this book. <laughs> That's just great. Yvonne Talley's practical tips and insights will help you reduce stress and change your habits. It's time to stop feeling overwhelmed and to reclaim your love life, work life, and most importantly, your real life. And that was written by Sam Bennett, the author of Get It Done. And oh, I guess, we had Sam on the show. Yeah, yeah I know. I, that's that's kind of what I homed in on. So, Yvonne, you know, we, we got into what this all looks like and we talked a lot about why. And I think we should take this texter's oh, that's question right. here. Yeah. It. Yeah. The exactly what you're saying there, Todd, the whys. Why is it that, that I am so motivated to be busy? Um, Melanie in Millersville, Pennsylvania has really brought this up. She says, I became aware of my, and she, she put in quote, addiction to busy when I was studying psychology. I had a young baby and I was new in my marriage and I was really, really scared that if I stopped, I would have to ask the question, who am I really? I liked the idea of being a mom. I liked the idea of being a student. I liked the idea of being a wife. But if I wasn't exorbitantly busy in this, well then, who is Melanie? And I had to realize one day, I didn't know, and I was scared mm. to find out. Can you talk to me about this? Because I'm still working through it. Mm-hmm. Well, Melanie is not alone with that. Certainly, in a new marriage, with as, be, as being a new mom, uh, that those two big things right there, and then also studying into school. Um, one of the things I would say to Melanie: the first thing is we need to back up and remember we we don't we're not defined by what we do. We're defined by what we believe and who we allow ourselves to be because of those beliefs. So it is crucial for somebody who is asking this question, who am I if I stop being busy? And that is, what is it giving you? 
And that is yeah. taking a moment to think, what, what do I feel when I'm busy? And, and then I would ask her, and it's in the book, I would ask her to kind of work through the need-want connection. What do you want, Melanie? And then what do you need? What do you need to get to that want? And I think it's really important for people to explore that question. Um, and then more importantly is what will change for you when you have what you want? So that would be the first step. And then uh, when we allow fear to be an intimidator rather than a motivator, we get stuck. And I talk a lot about that, the traps. We get stuck in a trap. So once we're stuck, we spin around and we don't move forward. So facing your fear, walking through your fear will diminish it. And, and I say that with this caveat, and that is I'm talking about fears that we have of failure, fears that we have of, of even success, of not being enough. We can work through those things if they're, if they're phobias or, you know, something that's much more in-depth than that, of course, we know that that requires a different approach. But fear is, is a normal part of life, and it's, a, it's, it's an important that it happens. It protects us. It also motivates us to move quickly if we need to get out of the way of a car. So those, it's, it's important for that. But in everyday life, if we allow it to lead our decision-making, then we're going to stay stuck in that. And that's when I know somebody needs to practice a little self-compassion. And we start that by saying, you know, do you accept that others are not perfect? Do you lend a hand when somebody needs a struggle? These would just be some of the questions you'd want to ask yourself. Do you judge others if they're not their best? And And then you can turn those questions on you. Do you allow yourself to help others when they're struggling? And will you allow someone to help you? And this starts to unwrap that fear a little bit more, right. where when we can turn that compassion into self-compassion, and she will discover at a deeper level of who she is without the labels. Who is Melanie? Mm-hmm. Because before Melanie was married, before Melanie had a child, who was Melanie? Was she yeah. you know, joyful and friendly? And those are the things she wants to come back, back, back to and recapture. Because busy is, an, is, a, is, is like the bad boyfriend. They promise a lot and they deliver very little. So you, you it's want so to, true. You want well, Yvonne, or bad girlfriend, I should say. Right. <laughs> Either or. Yvonne, isn't this a trap that many people fall in, many young people fall into? As you were, as you were describing this, it just kind of hit me. You know, we don't come in with, the tools we don't come into this world with the tools and yet you know many young people they get busy and and they're busy and they meet somebody that's busy and so then they decide well let's get busy together and they get busy together and then their relationship i guess becomes incompatible because it was the busyness that brought them together and not so much their compatibility did i say that right well, I think, well, yeah, I think that I'm not sure it has to do with young people. I think people in general, I think the younger, you know, the, the millennial generation now has, you know, they have that bigger thing going on, and that's their technology. And I think that what we have to do is I'm certainly an older person uh, than a millennial. And what I've, you know, but I have a millennial daughter, so what I've tried to do is look at, at their culture and their lifestyle without judgment and find out what it is that they're doing that is working for them. 
They, right. It is a different culture now. It is a distracted yeah, totally. culture. We can say it's distracted. They won't. They they might not. But right. you know, when you talk about does busyness bring people together? You know, in my certainly in my practice and in my experience with my clients, um, and a lot of it has to do with the area that I'm in too. Probably is that it's it's across the board. Both of them are busy. Or one of them is busy, but it's always the woman who seems to be affected the most by the get it done attitude, get it all done, get it all done all of the time. Um, mm-hmm. And we just have to find better boundaries for that. And I think healthy boundaries are the key for all of us with this. Um, mm-hmm. But once you start, you know, it's like anything. Once you start exercising, your body starts to crave that that fuel, yes. that that experience that you get. Once you're busy. You, your body gets, you know, kind of hooked on that juice, as you said. It's kind of an addictive feeling, and I know that when I start starting with, when I begin with new clients in meditation, <laughs> they'll say, "I think I fell asleep. I can't stay awake. I, I'm so tired afterwards." And I'll say, "Of to them, course, this is a new feeling for your body. You're relaxed. Yeah. You're not tired, <laughs> and your body forgot how to relax. So we've forgotten how to slow down." Well, and we're we're you're you're speaking so well to these topics here. You're. It, it's also that thing, Todd, that, you know, when two people come together and they sort of subconsciously make a deal, we're going to be a busy couple. <laughs> there's something that they don't want to surface. You know, right. in my marriage, what we didn't want to surface was that we disagreed about alcohol. You know, in other marriages, what they don't want to surface is that they're not getting pregnant and they really want to. Or they don't want it to surface that they're both from a divorce and they've got to raise these kids together and, you know, everyone's unhappy or, or career things. But whatever, I just, I just feel like the busyness is a distraction from what the real down deep love language could be. You know, well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit because we've spent a lot of time now on describing the results and what happens and how people are. But Yvonne, let's, let's, let's now come up with some solutions. And I think your big buzzword for a solution is, is basically mindfulness. Mm, yeah. <laughs> That's, that I think is so important. It's, um, many, many times, <clears throat> and I'll start with, you know, meditation. Many, many times people will say, most of the time, they'll say, I'm too busy. I don't have time to meditate. And I, and I always say to them, do you have an extra minute? Yeah, but you know, what's that going to do? And it's like anything else. It's one small step at a time. And we know the benefits of meditation. We know that it lowers our blood pressure, boosts our immune system. I could go on for days of all the health benefits from that. Um, but it's, I can't stop talking about it enough because it's so powerful for the health of the body and the mind because they are one. So that is where I start with everyone is with meditation. And I and then I'll give them some stats so they feel a little bit better about it, and that is we spend an average of five hours a day playing around with our phone. So right. if we just had, you know, a 10-minute no-phone zone, five hours a day on average, yep, U.S. consumers, it's unbelievable. And we touch the phone on an average of 2,600 times. So you can see how much the technology has just completely thrusted itself into our um, our lifestyle. Or we've, and again, it's because, we, and I think this will shift. You know, the pendulum is always going to swing back to the center eventually. 
So meditation, and it's not meditation, is not something that we do. It's a way of being. So that when chaos shows up, because it will, and when the unexpected arrives, because it will, we can stay in that calm, meditative state. It might not be that we're completely calm, but we'll be more calm if we have developed that mind muscle. And that's what this is about. We've, we well, and it becomes, really- yeah, it becomes, it becomes a habit. I can't imagine, because I put this practice into my daily routine years ago, and I, I can't imagine me going through a day without, at midday, stopping and rebooting. It's just, it, and, and I can tell if I don't do it because my mind gets clouded, I get, you know, kind of anxious, and it, it, it's become a habit for me to just stop, get clear, and, and, and like I said, I hit control, alt, delete twice and reboot. In your mind. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> That's great. Well, your mind gets cloudy because the prefrontal cortex is, you know, being <laughs> just attacked with the constant distraction, as you said, and the thoughts and the, and the stress. And, and then that just allows, you know, us to get in that swirl. And here we go, down the rabbit hole of being distracted again. So allowing our – you know, I always find it interesting um, when a client comes to me and, and they're very they're, – they know what they need to do to get a healthy – you know, to have a healthy body. They know fitness is going to make a big difference and they know nutrition is going to make a big difference. But what they forget about is the nutrition for our mind and our brain and our soul and our spirit. And when we can connect all those dots, that's when we will truly step into knowing, as Melanie questioned, who am I really? What do I really want? And, and now I've got a clear path. My mind is actually clear. I can see opportunities because I've allowed my mind this quiet time. And that's when we can bring in a clarity of thinking and we will find better resolutions, more problem solving, more opportunities, more creativity. So it's a very... It's a, such an important tool, and we can all do it. it no matter we how much money we make, now, yeah, no matter how old or young we are, we all have the capability of bringing ourselves into a mindful space. And I tell everybody, start with one minute, move to three, and then you're on your own from there. Because, you, it, like you said, Todd, you can't imagine going through the day without that piece. It's right. like it's it's just it's my best friend. It's seeing my best friend it's christmas morning it's you know my favorite ice cream all rolled up into one i look forward to it and i just love the feeling of being in that space and it just helps my day to be more centered and balanced and in tune with who i really am and that is a spirited being you know and it something teaches else that you was... so much about intimacy right it, it just it teaches you so much about intimacy because the the more we commit to busy is not what's going to guide my life, the more we find out that the people that are more interested in a, a superficial connection as opposed to a deeper connection and a real connection, you know, the superficial people sort of fade away. And and I, I think a lot of us have entertained busy to stay away from intimacy or deeper friendships or such. And I mean, I, I think of, of a client of mine who just 
really ruthlessly fired me. And I, I think it was because we were getting into more intimate conversations and she wasn't able to do these while she was driving her two-year-old to Montessori and um, having me on speakerphone and eating her lunch while she was going down the freeway. It wasn't mm-hmm. working out for her. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah. so she ditched me, you know. Yeah. But at some point, it's like, well, I, I'm i not really here to have that kind of relationship with you. And busy, when we, when we define what kind of busy we're willing to do and not willing to do, it helps define what sort of relating we're willing to do and not willing to do. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point about the fact that it's, uh, you know, it's a, it is a distraction and it and it allows us to avoid things that we don't want to engage in more deeply. Um, you know, any kind of uh, as you know, any kind of addiction allows us that that ability to to numb and escape. And, but I'm looking at it as, as a, as a culture that we now have this pattern of doing at this rate. And I always think about what are we doing as far as how are we influencing or how are we modeling our behavior and influencing those in our lives that are coming up behind us? You know, whether we have children or not. You know, yeah, whether we have children or not, we are, we are, you know, it's a stamp of approval to the people that we influence on in our life that being busy is okay. And we, and we teach those people that we influence how to do the same. And that's what keeps this ball rolling. Um, and if one of you in the group said, I remember, I remember being at lunch with some friends and I said, yeah, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going on vacation. Oh, oh, you bringing your daughter. I said, no, I'm going by myself. You would have thought that I had committed a crime because I was taking a week just for myself, but we have to be, and I know this might sound, you know, odd, but uh, we have to be bold and we have to be brave and we have to be strong to be able to be who we really are meant to be. And that might be as simple as I'm passing on the, you know, the outing, the meeting. I'm not going to be room parent. I'm not going to lead the the annual event at work this year, this time, because I'm going to make space for myself. And that's when we get into boundaries. And that's why they're so important um, to set those healthy boundaries. Because then people can stay in the thing that they've committed to. You know, a friend of mine just moved home from teaching in China, and I really believe it's because she couldn't honor those little breaks of when she needed time for herself and when she needed to say no to another committee and et cetera, et cetera. Instead, she left the country. She left the job. And I've done that, too. I've left the relationship. I've left the house, I left the big thing when I didn't want to. I just wanted a break in the day or I just wanted a connection in the day. And and I think you speak so well in your book about what is our relationship to our imagination and our curiosity, mm. you know? Do, yeah, we, do we make time for our imagination and curiosity? And what, how do things change when we do? Can you talk to us a little bit about that? It's my favorite subject, Debbie. <laughs> it's, 
Good. Uh, you know, we use our imagination every day, all day long, um, without even being aware that we're doing it. And we use it in a way, unfortunately, that um, is in the what-if scenario most of the time. So when we imagine what someone will say or do um, and we're continually letting that story linger in our minds and what I try to get people to do, what I want people to show people to do is to use your imagination as a tool. Imagine and, uh, you know, just imagine for a moment. And I go back to Melanie again. Imagine, Melanie, who do you want to be? What does that look like? And then create that story from step one. Uh, when I work with people that are going in to um, do public speaking, the first thing they say is, I'm terrified. Okay, great. That We're going to use that as your energy. Tell me what you're looking forward to. Tell me a time in your life where you walked in and you were just, you just everything went the way that you wanted it to and the, and the outcome was exactly what you desired and you had that euphoric feeling afterwards. And then they, they, revisit, they revisit that using their imagination. Take that and now plant it into the current day and use that because if, if you can pull from that imagination of something that you've done before that you that turned out the way that you wanted it to and it brought you to where you wanted to be, it's still in there. You can use that story to create a new one. So imagination flourishes and becomes even more potent when we take times to be quiet, such as in meditation. So imagination is a powerful tool to help us create what it is that we want. And so, and you know, it's interesting when we're young, we you just watch little children. Oh, it's glorious. Their imagination is free form. It has no limits. It's just, it's absolutely delightful to watch them play in imagination. And then we hit about six or seven years old. And what happens? The message we get is stop fooling around, stop daydreaming. You're right. so distracted. Pay attention. And so it gets shut down. And the only way we end up using yeah. it most of the time is in that you know, that non-resourceful way of what if this happens? What if she says this? Oh, my gosh, I'm worried about that. I'm afraid of this. That's all in our imagination. So if we can stay wow. present in the moment and then use that imagination, here's what I'm going to feel today. Here's what I'm going to feel like when I walk into that room of a thousand people to speak before them. I'm going to lay down my circle of excellence. I'm going to step into it, and I'm going to be the person I know that I have been before and I am today. That's how we use so imagination. So here's where your work and my work connect, because as a writing coach, I talk about how when your imagination becomes corrupt, it becomes your inner critic. <laughs> it's the same energy. It's just that one is on your side and one isn't. And it, it sounds like your book is addressing that the busyness is the inner critic and what we want to come back to is that clean slate of imagination. Yeah, I think busyness is a byproduct. I think it's a, it's the result of um, because yeah. it, you know that inner critic is in is in all of us. And one of the one of the techniques for kind of finding out more about that is you know what does that voice sound like? Where is it coming from? And who might it be? And and mm -hmm. saying you know that it's my that it's my father or my mother or my sister is not a way to address it because that person was a person before they became your mother, your father, your sister. So it's Julie or it's Bob or whomever. 
and that can start to help you kind of unravel that a little bit and also have some compassion for that self-critic, to, to have some some self-compassion for yourself but also compassion for the other person. I know you were trying to do your best. You, you messed up royally, but I know you were trying to do your best. So it's a way to get rid of that that that, that uh, inner critic or at least dampen it down or give it some boundaries of when it can pop up. And again, it's just a, it's a it's an awareness. It's uh, getting right. yourself to in a point where you can one step at a time, one thing at a time, and discover how to be in a space that you feel more delighted and happy, even when things are tough. Because we do, we can make that choice. We can make oh that choice. Oh my goodness, ladies, we are out of time. We got oh, so busy. Word. We got so busy that we lost track of time. <laughs> I want to thank you, Yvonne. You know, this has been such a great discussion, and definitely, Debbie, put Yvonne back on our radar. I would love to have her come back. There's so much more that we could talk about. Thank you so much for showing up today and talking about getting unbusy. Well, thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you. I think that I'm so unbusy right now. I don't know what to say. No, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. This has been a great show. As a reminder, you can go to lifemasteryradio.net or .com and Yvonne's link is there. Her book is in Amazon. Debbie, any quick takeaways? Are you still at that point where you're not busy? <laughs> yes, I'm retired from being busy. I'm in busy recovery. I have been for 10 years and I'm I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I really I really love my curiosity and my relationship to it and busy gets in the way. So, that's where I'm at. That's about all we have time for today. I want to thank you again for tuning in and get conscious about not getting busy. I want everyone out there to make it a great day. Tell your friends about how unbusy Life Mastery Radio is. <laughs> make it a great day. Get unbusy because it is. It really is. It's all about choice. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to Life Mastery with Todd Allen, the talk radio show that dives into the science of higher consciousness. Join Todd and his guests weekly at 10 a.m. Pacific time and learn how to live a peaceful life. For more information on Todd and his guests, visit his website at www.lifemasteryradio.net. That's www.lifemasteryradio.net. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 